0: Hello and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today's topic is, You Should Have Said No. And your hosts are Stacey Gordon, Lisa Gates, and Thiele Thatch. We're going to be talking about why women in particular have a hard time saying no, and why we tend to say yes more often to projects that don't advance us and don't contribute to revenue-generating activities that get us recognized and promoted. We need to be heard, seen, and included. That won't happen unless we strategically say no. So Lisa is going to kick us off with
1: some uh, some research. Yes, I am. Wait, wait a minute. Let me say no. I'm not. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know the the authors of the book, the venerable, wonderful book, "Women Don't Ask and Then Ask for It." Linda Babcock and Sarah Lashever, um had done have done some research on why women tend to volunteer more than men um, and tend to volunteer more for tasks that don't really contribute to the bottom line, don't really move their careers forward. And was taking a look at why they do that. Um, you know, so there are lots of reasons. We're socialized that way. We, we, we're, we're the yes people, yeah, I can get it done. We tend to be more oriented to execution As opposed to being strategic and my perspective is that we need to look at who we are and where we're going what's the story we're telling about our careers and where we want to be and when an opportunity presents itself or when we want to take an opportunity we really need to ask does this comport with my values and uh, and and my strengths and what I can contribute to this organization. Um, um, and will it further me? Will it get me up the ladder? And we don't often look at it that way. And I think Philae had a really great, um, has a really great perspective on this in terms of why you know, black women or women of color might have a different response to saying yes.
2: Well, yeah, thank you, Lisa. I was thinking about this topic and one of the conversations that we had around how there were so many opportunities that I've taken that I hadn't really been intentional about. And I, I didn't do my research and didn't investigate. And I was thinking about where that came from, you know, as a black woman born in the 70s. And being the very first in my family, uh, except for one other person, my, my cousin about the same age, to go to college. And my grandmother and my great grandmother and my ancestors, um, they were, you know, they picked cotton and they were sharecroppers and they worked as maids and they worked in you know these type of jobs. So by the time I was able to get my first job in an office, I had arrived that was that was a, arriving to a successful point in my career and so how dare i say no to any opportunity that would allow me not to be working at, you know for minimum wage and to be making a, a salary to be working full time you know a lot of times my people in my family they only had opportunities for part time employment with no benefits or to have a job with benefits, working at a desk, you know? So that really affected looking back um, when I would receive an opportunity and someone would ask me that if I would come in for employment, I instantly would say yes. And I instantly felt like this may, and Stacey and I were talking about that, like this may be my last opportunity or my only opportunity for employment. So it was almost out of a, looking back now, twenty something years later, almost out of desperation, out of insecurity, out of cultural um, obligation to my, you know, my family. Um, one thing we talked about is just being concerned with what people think. Oh, they'll think I'm, you know, my family may think I'm bougie. <laughs> just it's so complicated. So I'd love to talk more about that. And, uh, well, and there's so there's two things that
0: came up, because what Lisa started to talk about is when you have the job and then you're asked to do additional work, right? Um, there's things that come up. And so the party planning, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday. Can somebody get a card? Can somebody get a cake? Can somebody you know, buy some decorations? Can somebody order food, right? Those are the things that we end up volunteering to do. And I think that for any men that are listening to this, or managers in general, regardless of gender, a great way to help stem that is to stop asking for volunteers and just assign people or to put it on a rotation schedule, right? it's this is these are the things that happen in our office somebody has to wash the dishes somebody has to plan the birthday parties somebody has to you know go pick up lunch for the next meeting so we put it on a schedule and we just all take turns
1: right that's a really really good point stacy that i think that a lot of what we're going to talk about we're putting the onus on on women for strategies that they can use to help them say no or to you know um <clears throat> not take on a task that isn't revenue generator or whatever, right? But the flip side is really managers, bosses, whoever need to be trained or need to be aware that they're, they're actually generating this, um, no, this yes culture by doing just what you, you said. And if they were uh, more aware of it and made it more, and, and, and created a strategy around it instead of just this sort of knee jerk. Who wants to do this? Knowing that all the women will say, "Oh, okay, I'll do that."
2: Well, I, I just want to mention that when I was when I first started my career, there wasn't an option uh, for me to say no. So when I would come into the room and be the only black woman and uh maybe an administrator role. Uh, my boss, who was a manager or director, they just looked at me and assumed the only reason I was in the room was to take notes. And so I spent at least 10 to 15 years of my career just being a note taker when I was invited to a meeting. And it took everything in my power to like sit on my hands and say, and, and when people look around, who's gonna take notes? And I'm just you know, kind of act like I'm not, you know, as I began to mature, but you're absolutely right. It would have been so helpful if my manager or director would have been my champion and, and designated someone, so the entire room wasn't looking at me like, "Oh, yeah, these ladies. thats her. That's why she's here, right?" To take right. the note. well, I think part of that too is it's
0: not just about being your champion, right? Like, so this is the part where we want to talk about fairness and equality in the workplace. It's not just about fairness and opportunity—you know, equal opportunities for the advancement and the promotion. It's also equal opportunity to do the grunt work. <laughs> so, that's if true. you're a manager. It is your job to make sure that all of those things are being distributed fairly and equally. And if they're not being distributed fairly and equally, then there needs to be a reason that everyone is aware of, right? So I think in, in that instance, yes, it's not just about, you know, being Thiele's champion in that in that position. It's saying, hey, this is something none of us want to do. So we need to... This meeting, I'm taking notes. Next meeting, you're taking notes. Or if there's a reason, like if you're leading the meeting, you can't lead the meeting and take notes, right? So, but that means again, giving opportunity to others to take, to lead the meeting. Because why so, is this person always leading the meeting? Why can't right, others right. lead the meeting?
2: Right? So, so, saying no is obviously, obviously difficult for me. So, I need help from you too. So, you're gonna help, have to help me out. So, even with um, HR experience that I've had, um, and pushing back for managers to do what you just said and really divvy out the work and responsibilities. I almost always receive pushback, and uh, maybe it's generational, but their philosophy was I paid my dues. These people have to pay their dues. They have to take notes. They have to get coffee. I'm, I'm not planning another party, and I think so and so is more valuable, and she or he isn't planning one either because the new person or that person is doing What I you know they're not they better and they better not say no because it will affect you know their performance. So I've had I've had that feedback not just about myself but about other employees. And how do you stop that from affecting how people perceive your performance? And you say no. Well, I think it's it's it's
0: a two way street. So once again, you know, I want to be clear and say you can't if you have a if you have a supervisor that that's their attitude that this is how it's going to be. That that's not something you can control. What I'm saying is, is to people who are listening who are supervisors and who do want to change, they have the opportunity to make a difference. This is the place where people always say, oh, but what can I do? Here's something you can do. You can go into work tomorrow and you can make a change to your team. And this is how you do it, right? Now, of course, for the individual, you cannot push back in that situation. You're right. Sometimes you are stuck with a boss that sucks with a position that isn't that great, you and you, you know. So going back to your original example, you need to feed your family. You don't have the privilege to say no, right? Because okay, you don't.
1: I'm going to say a real white girl privilege thing, probably. <laughs> um, my take on this is yes, that there's a there's a shared space here. Both, you know, supervisors, managers, bosses need to get better at their jobs and assure so that we can assure equal treatment Um, but there is the the activist in us individually that needs to come to the party more often and say things like you know what i think maybe it would be a good thing to look at that policy and look at well why do we all have to get coffee why do we why why is this a dues paying kind of thing What if we examine that for being kind of an antiquated way to look at things? I'm always working with people to help them find their activist bones. And it is not as dangerous as, I I think it's not as dangerous, but maybe that's because it's my personality to be that anyway. There were times in my career where somebody would ask me to get the coffee or do whatever, and I would say, well, I think Blake is a lot better at coffee than I am. I make terrible coffee.
0: Right, and I, th- I think you have to know your environment, right? There are some environments where it's, you can kind of play with it and you could do that. There are some environments where you cannot, like to this, like right this very moment, I know a person, who is working in an environment where it is her job to clock in at exactly 830, not 829, not 831. If she clocks in at 831, her supervisor wants to write her up for coming in one minute late. Right? Like, these are the kinds of environments that some
2: people work in. But isn't that the supervisor's right to do that?
0: Well. I am sure it is, but here, so this is my privilege. I have had the privilege of never, well, I take that back. My very first job, I worked for Brookstone. They are now out of business. I hated that job with a passion. Um, And that was the only job I ever had where I had to clock in and clock out. Since then, I have never had a job where I've had to clock in and clock out. And that was my first job out of high school. And I only stayed there for about six months, maybe eight months. So,
2: so yeah, you're absolutely right to say that's your privilege because right, it's, it's
0: a privilege. And I have that. not had to clock in and out, and I get that. So what I'm saying is into Lisa's point though, is that there are some jobs where you can be that person and you can stand up and say, um, I don't want to do this or I can't do it, or however and, and Lisa's got some great ways to explain ways to do that. But this is where I'm saying that this is where my career coaching hat comes on and this is where the saying no is important because many times we say yes to jobs we shouldn't have and I knew I was never saying yes to a job where I had to clock in or clock out if that was anywhere even it looked like that might be the case I wasn't applying I wasn't going if I showed up to the interview and that was something they said I'd say thank you very much we can stop this interview right now and I'm leaving because I'm not interested right So
2: I think that speaks to you knowing your worth, you know, even at that time you knew your worth and that's great. And I think some of our listeners and I just can always relate to when I first started my career, I didn't know my worth. So I'm not, you know, I want to be, I want to represent those people (laughs) because a lot of times you're in the workplace and you don't know that you have the ability to push back and it, it comes with maturity in some But it, that's why we're here,
0: right? The LA, so that's what I'm saying is that I, I'm not saying that to say that, you know, I was this fire starter who, you know, but what I'm saying is there are some kinds of jobs where you can and there are some kinds of jobs where you can't. So Lisa's point is correct in the jobs where you can. But what I'm saying is if you have the opportunity Start. We need to be more intentional about
1: the jobs we take. We I think we have a job. opportunity more than we think we do. So we we all come into the workplaces with our whole life experience, how we were raised as children, what happened when we asked for uh, that red bicycle for our birthday, and we heard no, 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 you don't deserve it. You can't have it. I have to get a bike for Sam. If I get one for you, um, you know. So we have this 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 um, uh, DNA that tells us what's gonna happen when we ask for what we want, what's gonna happen when we say no or when we say yes. So here we are, we arrive in our workplaces with all of that underneath us. And, And yet, I think that what we forget no matter if we are the front desk receptionist or we're a a director, we forget that what we're hired to do is produce results and to get things done and to move the dial forward in some way for that organization and that we can take more responsibility for our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas um, in ways that we don't, readily think we can, but it's, uh, I think it's more appreciated than derided than we, than we think it is. Um, we're holding back because culture tells us something different or our family of origin tells us something different. But when we're in the workplace, we're pointed toward a different set of objectives, um, a, a, a kind of a, a different expectation. So we do need to find our activist bones um, to to move ourselves forward. So no, I totally agree with what you're
0: saying. And I think so. It sounds it's kind of funny because we're literally on the spectrum, right? Like Thiele is saying, hey, we're down yeah. here and we're downtrodden and we need you know, it's, we can't really say no. I'm saying we can say no in some instances and in some instances we can't, but in order for us to, when we're looking for a job, it's a good idea to try to find those jobs where it's easier for us to say no in those environments where we're going to be accepted rather than the ones where we're going to be downtrodden and where we have to be clocked in with, you know, people breathing down our necks and and telling you when you can go to the bathroom and when you can't Um, because I wouldn't last five minutes in that job. Right. So and and then you're sort of on the other end of that spectrum, saying no. We can say no at any time, any any place, right? Like we have to get better at it. So I think right. that
1: yeah, in all and, of well, those areas, it has to be a strategic no, right?
0: Yeah, and
1: it, so so you think about anything that you have on your plate that you're really committed to, that you have to be committed to, a project you're already doing that has a deadline, and somebody asks you to do either a menial task or an important task. It has to get, uh, the, the yes or no is calibrated by what's on your plate and what's important to you. Will this task move me forward? So, yeah, you get, to, you get to be a little bit mercenary about what you say yes to. Because
2: um, so I, 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 I just want to say I appreciate that. And I just want to share that I didn't think strategically. Again, it goes back to my first point. I didn't think strategically about my job. I just had a job. Mm-hmm. grateful I had a job. So again, I don't know if it's privilege or luxury. I didn't think about that either at the time. It was, I need a job so I can work. And so, I mean, some people come um, equipped into the workplace and they're able to think strategically about how they're going to move up, how they're going to navigate the workplace. And this is what this podcast is about. I get it. But I'm just saying for those people starting to brush in their career who don't have these skills, I, I just want to say, I get it. And it's more common. It takes a lot of practice. And I, I'm one of yeah. those people who took a lot of practice to say yeah. no, to speak right. up for myself. You're
0: right. Practice is good. And Lisa's got some tools.
1: Yes. I think, you know, really, let's look at no as a negotiation, which it really is, right? So, so, it's common parlance. Negotiation doesn't really start until you hear the word no. This is a little bit different than that. This is evaluating something and being willing to have a conversation or a response to the request that is you saying no there might be a negotiation that happens after it there might be more well you know um working out the details but first of all there are several kinds of no's that you can say but i like to start with no with values um and that that sounds like this thank you you know for the invitation on this project and listen, I can't take on another task right now. I wouldn't be honoring my commitment to X project or to my family or to my business, you know, to something, right? So you're, you're coming from a place of values and commitment. Um, and sometimes, you know, I've got a lot of ways to say no. Sometimes you just need to say flat out no. It always needs to start with appreciation though it'll soften the blow, Um, you know, somebody invites you to do something, you say, you know what, I'd love to participate, but I'm gonna have to decline. Now, we are reason-making human beings. Everybody wants to have a reason why. Why are you saying no? I, I always say to people, just start out by saying no and seeing what happens. Close your mouth. You don't need to come up with a reason. But if you feel compelled to, go to your values answer, right? Other kinds of no that you can say are, I'd love to help. Um, You know, I love that you thought of me. But how about if I find you someone else? I'm on a deadline right now. Oh, that's Um, a good one. Right? Always no with appreciation. I think your idea is fabulous, but I'm not able to participate at this time. And then go to the values piece. Sometimes you can say yes and no at the same time. You can say, I'd love to do this. This is right on the money for me, but I need to start at a later time. Can you ask me again in two weeks or next month? Can I, can I dig into this next month? Um, especially for these long tail projects like that.
0: So I hope everyone is writing these down because these are <laughs> some serious gems. Press pause
1: and rewind.
2: So that was great, Lisa. I wish I had that information when I was starting out in my career. I definitely didn't have the tools that would have allowed me to move up a lot quicker in my career. But one thing I did know as an HR professional was my rights as a worker. And I just want to make sure we share these um, in terms of you know understanding what the workplace policies are in terms of dress codes, standards of conduct, and making sure that you're saying no to the right things, things that jeopardize or compromise your integrity or your world. And one of the policies that I just want to share briefly is the whistleblower law that most people are aware of. You see it in your break room, but this is one law that was created to protect you from retaliation when you do say no. Now, a lot of people are afraid of the whistleblower law because I've even seen people ask for these whistleblowers. But um, I always knew that existed. I kind of knew that was in my back pocket if someone did something that I wanted to report or, you know, I would complain about. So I just wanted to share that, you know, be aware of your policies and use those policies to strip in your note. Um, I like what Stacey was saying in the beginning about, you know, having a practice where everyone is invited to participate in certain, you know, certain responsibilities and so, once those patterns happen, and they go outside of that practice uh, of um, making sure everyone is treated fairly, then you also have another, uh, you know, backup, and you have another way to say no because again, mm-hmm. you're being singled out. So that's all I wanted to say in terms of discrimination and how to handle that. Because sometimes you, unfortunately, a lot of discrimination happens in the workplace. And I know for a fact when they were looking at me and I was the only black woman in the room and they expected me to take notes, it was because I was the only black woman in the room expected to take notes. So um I didn't do anything about it at the time, but I hope that this um, information helps someone.
0: Well, and I would say this though, because I have a question. Um, um it sounded a little bit like you was kind of saying you can use the whistleblower as a threat. And I know that's not what you meant. So I want yeah, to clarify.
2: I like a typical a manager would say that to me as an HR person. because. <laughs> 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 it sounds like you're giving them information to use against us. Well, but, the, so, but you want to be careful how people
0: say that, right? You don't want somebody saying, Oh, well, I'm saying no, and you can't make me because blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, People need to understand what their rights are
2: and how to use them. Under the whistleblower law, it is to report when someone is being treated unfairly or rules or laws are being violated within the company.
0: So So you're saying systematically or anonymously, I could, if you were treating Lisa badly, I could go report you anonymously.
2: Of course. Or not anonymously and be protected because you are bringing discriminatory acts to the attention of whomever and you have the right to do that. But unfortunately, when that happens, uh, you may be retaliated against. And so the whistleblower law protects you from retaliation. That's all.
1: Got you. Somebody asked me, you know, we're we're party organizing. Hey, Lisa, would you jump out of a cake with your bathing suit on? I think that would be really great. That'd be so funny. Uh, Yeah, not so much. No, I'm not going to do that. Yes, you are. We've already designed it. It's got to happen and it's got to be you. I know that sounds ridiculous, but a lot of these kind of things are ridiculous um,
2: right. well, or that's a really good point because oh go ahead sorry real quick are you reporting that someone asked Stacy to do that so Stacy may jump out of the cake but you may report it and mm-hmm. now you're jeopardizing yourself right for her job and so all I'm saying is the whistleblower law and the whistleblower act protects you when you see other people being treated illegally or unfairly right. too. So right. no, no company wants you to tell anybody about the whistleblower.
0: Well, but <laughs> so here's a question though, because we were talking about in the office, right, being asked to make the coffee. And so let's say everyone is at the same level, right? But you are the only black woman or the only Latina woman or the only Asian woman at the table, which is not unlikely depending upon the level, right? And you are the person that is always being asked to make the coffee. Does that rise to the level of discrimination? Now, none of us on this call are attorneys, but that's the kind of question we have to figure out, well, then where does somebody go? Because I think a lot of times things aren't reported because they don't know that it actually rises to the level of discrimination and that they can do something about it.
2: Well, even under the California whistleblower laws and other whistleblower laws, like any of the other laws, they expect for you to go through your company policies and practices first. So the first question they're going to ask is, did you reach out to your HR person or your manager and make them aware? So you always, it's always the same answer. You need to notify your direct report. And if you're not comfortable notifying your direct report, you notify an HR person or hopefully they have a compliance hotline and that's really a smart move for most companies to put in a compliance hotline so people can call in anonymously. So it's always the same answer. So it's not, I was asked to make coffee and then I go um, file a lawsuit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. You can't skip. But that brings us back to the same point, at least the same point I was making, uh, which was, okay, so you're, you're sitting around, you're, the whole team is around the table. Your manager is asking you yet again, the only black woman in the room, to, to make the coffee. Right. So now-, when, now, your next step would be to have a conversation with the manager, either in the moment or afterwards
2: right so the number one thing I've learned that took my career to the next level that Lisa you've been talking about is called professional courage and so that's the next step is having the professional courage to talk to your manager talk to whoever it can it's a lot of times not even your manager it might be someone else's manager who decides they're going to use their power and of their position over you and they you don't even report to them and they're asking you to make and um, but being able to pull that person to the side or pull right so that's where it starts and it's the same conversation being able to say no to them respectfully
0: so that is perfect so I wanted to say you know as as we wrap up here you're talking about professional courage and I'm going to use a story about my my daughter I don't know if this exactly fits but it sticks out in my head and it keeps coming up so I'm going to say it anyway I, my, when my youngest daughter was probably four, we were at a park or something. I don't know what it was. And she wanted to go play. She saw a bunch of other kids playing, doing something. And she said, Mom, can I go? I said, Yeah, go ahead. So she goes, and I'm looking, of course, because she's young, and I want to see where she's walking to. And I see her stop. She stops, and then she comes back to me. And she's like, Mom, I can't go over there. And I said, Well, why not? All the other kids are over there. And she said, Well, the sign. She couldn't read the sign. She didn't know what it said, but because there was a sign at the entrance, she somehow thought that she just had it in her that it, it meant it was talking to her and that she couldn't go in. And in that moment, I thought, "Oh my goodness, what have I been teaching my daughter that she hmm. feels so restricted that she needs to follow these rules, and that she can't even read the goddamn sign, and she thinks it's telling her she can't do something." <laughs> And so I want to say that the other thing we have to do as parents is teach our young girls from young to say no. Oh, boy. Young girls grow up to be professional women who don't have the courage to say no.
2: Right. And don't feel like they have the privilege. So we go back to privilege again or... Right. You're absolutely right. I love that example because that was me. I felt like I, I never knew the boundaries. I never knew, oh, can I cross this line? Is there a line? I didn't know for a long time. I came yeah. right out of college into an environment I did not understand.
1: There's another place that I'd like. I know that you're trying to button. Here Here might be a, a, another button. So there's the psychology of saying no there's there's a silver lining here so the the psychologist and marketing expert Robert Cialdini uh, has written about principles of influence and I'm not going to go through all of them but one of them is scarcity that if something is is limited supply it becomes more attractive remember when you gave up your boyfriend and then somebody else started dating him you went oh I want him back, right? Or, or, you know, you can't have something because there's only two of them and there's not enough to go around. Well, we can apply that same uh, principle to the things that we say yes and no to. So when we say no to something, it, it creates an impression in the other that, that we're, um, we're, we're a scarce back. resource.
2: Right That were more it, valuable.
1: It we're more valuable. And it also this also applies to negotiation for a job, or you get an offer, and you, you, um, there might come a point in that, that conversation where you decide, "You know what? I'm going to think on this." It's, a, it, it's a, a version of saying no." And often when you say, "Yeah, I don't know, uh, let me think about that offer. This is not what I was expecting." Often when you do that, you become scarce. They worry about whether you're going to accept or not. And sometimes the pot gets sweetened in between your no and the next phone call. Right. So, so scarcity is very powerful. Using that principle um, can, can actually transform career results.
0: That's a great point. So I think oh. what I'll say here then as we wrap this up is that the formula is that you need to say no to opportunities that don't serve you so that you can say yes to opportunities that will serve you. And if you're in a role where you're not being valued based upon who you are and what you authentically bring to the table, then it's time to take your contributions to a company that will value your diversity and that will celebrate it. This is Thiele, Lisa, and I, and we are here sharing our learning and experiences with you. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll like us, share us, and listen in next time.
2: You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Thiele Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.